Hi everyone, welcome to uh, Archivist Realism with your host, the Digital Cowboy, me, and uh, Khan from Damp Mags. This is the first episode and I'll say hi. Hey, what's up? Hi. <laughs> okay, so this is our first episode. So of course we're gonna need uh, some time to adjust and uh, already I think the next episode is gonna be a bit uh, better structured, but uh, yeah, this is the first attempt and it's uh, kind of the pilot episode. So bear with us. And uh, if you're listening right now, uh, please uh, send us some feedback on how we can improve uh, the episodes in the future. Uh, that would be very appreciated. So um, yeah, so uh, in this, we're going to talk about fashion archiving. And this is going to be the theme of the podcast in general. Of course, this is what we're going to talk about mainly. And uh, we wanted to start the first episode by uh, talking about basically the two of us, uh, what we what we do or our goals and just our ideas in general. And also we wanted to talk about why we uh, chose and agreed on archivist realism and if you if anyone listening knows about mark fisher obviously it is a reference to catalyst realism by uh, mark fisher uh but yeah so and you so you can probably guess uh where i'm going with this um but yeah uh anyway so let's start with uh khan so uh khan from damp mags uh he's gonna be uh my co-host um, I know I'm driving the conversation right now, but uh, you know it's just uh, yeah. sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. But uh, can uh, so tell us about uh, Damp Mags, uh, just so that everyone can uh, know like the details of it. Yeah. So I had uh, I have a background in photography. Um, I studied photography in college um, and was in that space for a few years, um, and then I graduated right when COVID sort of started, um, and so. Had a lot of downtime, free time, um, weren't too many jobs going on at that point. Um, and so I kind of dove deep into the, the world of archiving. Um, I started, um, originally I really started with digitizing VHS tapes um, that I had been given like someone's collection. Um, and then I moved on to starting to scan like my own books and then purchase um, my own like books and magazines from my collection um, and scanning them as well. Um, and yeah. That was when you were in LA, right? I believe. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. um, right now you're not, uh, are you planning on going back to the US? Uh, still unsure, yeah. Is it because uh, you're unsure about the U.S. or just? Uh... Yeah, I think I've been, I'm in Istanbul, Turkey right now. I've been living here for, I got sick and tired of L.A. And so I decided to leave and sort of use some time here to reset and like honestly do a lot of restructuring of my archive um, in terms of file management and things like that, um, which has been a super helpful, it's been super helpful to have this time. Um, and yeah, it's just opened up my eyes to like the possibility of potentially like living somewhere else in Europe or um, right. somewhere else in the world. So, yeah. Yeah, because the approach I think to archiving is different a bit around the world. Um, 
like uh, i the thing is uh, weirdly enough i feel like there's a lot of great uh, archivists or great people who archive uh, in canada and in europe uh weirdly enough even though the us has a lot more resellers i feel uh the archiving in the us i feel is not as uh pushed i would say uh, or like i know people who are good at archiving in the US, but I feel like they don't necessarily share their findings or they don't necessarily share their resources uh, very broadly. Uh, this is the main like observation I've uh, made from people in the US. While like people in Europe, I would say they do things a bit more hands-on. So usually they do, uh, well, things that are more uh, in the physical space rather than the digital space. But then, yeah, uh, weirdly enough, though like Canadians do a lot of things on the digital space. So, yeah, um, yeah. I feel like the US, it's a lot more like, personal collectors, I guess, people that sort of enjoy knowing that they own something. Um, and I don't know, I guess you could call it gatekeeping or whatever you want to want to say. Um, they don't necessarily want to share with other people. They want to be able to have that one up on, on other collectors or whatever. So, yeah, I didn't notice that. Um, so it's important, I think, to consider because uh, yeah, and if, yeah, it's a. I feel like the archive fashion thing is still like pretty interesting. Even just saying archive fashion is kind of cringe to me, uh, because I feel like it doesn't mean much. Uh, but at the same time, we kind of know what it means. And I've had a lot of people ask me, like, oh, like, what is archive fashion? And honestly, I think it personally, like, I like tell me what you think about that. But uh, personally, it just has. To, it's just anything that has to do with, uh, I guess, past collections. Even sometimes people treat the new collections as fashionable. I mean, I feel like it's maybe just like a broader perspective on fashion. Not necessarily broader, but like a uh, perspective that has to do even... Okay, I think it has to do more with designer fashion, first of all. So high fashion, designer fashion, when people talk about archive. But there is often a lot of people talk about things that are not designer and still considered archive. But I guess people talk about vintage in that case. So I think there's a this little difference in that case. Um, yeah, between archive and uh, vintage. And uh, yeah, maybe that's the main difference. It's like instead of saying vintage, people say archive, I guess. Um, you know, yeah, I don't know. Vintage. I see those words getting thrown around a lot and like yeah. <laughs> labeled on things that might not necessarily fit for that. Um, but I think, especially with archive fashion, it's it's pretty hard to like actually have a, a solid um, definition behind it. Whereas like, you know, like you could say like, okay, vintage cars, like in order to get like a, you know, a vintage car license plate or whatever, like it has to be over 50 years old. Or um, a lot of people consider like, with the term vintage that it's over 50 years old which right. um, then you start thinking about the vintage vintage clothing and stuff and all of a sudden it's not actually vintage but um yeah it's just interesting yeah. about it's like the style of vintage i guess like when people say vintage clothes it's like when it has like a vintage style yeah. but um yeah uh but yeah but going back also to archive fashion the thing is like i say archive in my case because i feel like uh and that's me maybe being a bit presumptuous but i feel like i do archive things you no know, i because it's true though like in the sense i do document my collections i have an actual like archive of documents that uh, you know to reference like my pieces and to document my pieces so in that sense i feel like what i do is close to in a real archive in that sense uh but i do understand how presumptuous it is i'm fully aware that uh it's yeah it's still but 
also uh, just to go back to that subject i always i've been saying this for years uh i feel like the archive fashion scene is a pseudoscience scene and uh I don't think we've ever talked about this, but uh, yeah, when I say it's a pseudoscience, it's in the sense that it's kind of uh, people, they kind of created a scene and a kind of a set of knowledge, but then it's not really based on any like scientific uh, approach. It's not a real scientific approach. It's pseudoscience because people just come up with shit sometimes, you know, Weird it's just part. like, oh yeah, like, you know, first show of Undercover was in yeah. Paris, like in 2003, uh, when it was not like it, at all, you know, like first Scab was presented in 2002 and also Scab was the first show of undercover presented in paris but it wasn't the first show of uh jun takashi so anyway um i'm sorry oh no, yeah i uh, <laughs> but i think it's really interesting too because i you know i was looking i've been looking like in the archive space for like full-time positions and stuff like that because i ideally i'd love to to continue work in in that field and uh, it was interesting how many of the positions i was looking at required me to have a master's degree in archiving yeah. And I started looking into it because I was curious. And most of the schools that have that program, it's in the science category as well. So it's right. it's interesting. Yeah, that's a very good point. I, I do know some people who have studied uh, archiving uh, in a proper academic setting, and uh, that's the thing. It's them, uh, you know. And I just want to protect my back a little bit here. It's uh, it's them that told me that what I do is like close, at least, to real archiving yeah. because I have, uh, you know, I have order. Um, that's what they say. I think it's like as long as you have like kind of an order in what you do, and like it's um. I'm missing the word, but it's like a formalization, basically, yeah. of uh, the approach. I think it's like it's at least closer to real archiving. But uh, yeah, it's interesting that it's a it's a real thing, and I, that's why I've heard also some people from uh, the real archiving uh, scene, let's say, to be kind of pissed off at people from the fashion archive because yeah, because it's bullshit. Um, well, sorry, it's really funny too because like I was looking at a lot of these master's degree programs, and it was only one year long. And I was like, oh, okay. okay, well, I've been doing this for like four years now. So like, what right. am I going to learn in one year that I already haven't learned in four years of doing this? And I'm sure there's something that I would learn, of course, but I also think it would be a lot of the same right. stuff. But I do think, though, there's a formalization in that. I think you would probably learn about classification. You would probably learn about a bunch of things that we no, don't I've, I've For sure, I've made my fair share of mistakes. And I'm yeah. still probably, like, making mistakes. But that's, you know, that's all part of the process. So Yeah. Uh, well, mistakes are important. If we look at my old posts, you would... Uh, because I think everyone knows, everyone listening knows that I love correcting people. Uh, I do it in, in fun, though, and don't try to undermine them. But it's true, though, if you look at my old posts, you can find so many mistakes. And I, I don't challenge anyone to do it because it's easy to find it. Like, it's not a challenge at all. But if you look at my old posts on my clothing archive, uh, you will find a bunch of mistakes and some really, really simple mistakes. But also, uh, one has to consider that at the state of the archive scene, if I can say that, the archive fashion scene wasn't the same. I feel like now there's a lot more, um, uh, what's the name, uh, resources to properly um, document things and to shout obtain information. <laughs> oh, sorry, what did you say? So shout out to Archive PDF, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but okay, 
Um, and I'm not here to complain. Uh, wait, let me just finish my my idea. So I just feel now there's a lot more resources, and this is partly why I do with my clothing archive. Uh, what I've been like trying to do the most is set really solid foundations for uh, people to begin. Uh, because you know, one thing I noticed while uh, just you know, evolving in that space for a few years was that there was a lack of uh, good foundations. Uh, and by that, I mean, for example, good uh, resources to properly identify Comme des Garçons pieces, which is why I created my whole identification chart for it. Uh, same thing with Yoji, same thing with Issei. A lot of the times, the identification charts or the identification uh, tools are not readily available and they're not necessarily easy and they're incomplete. So people have to rely on other sets of knowledge. So I tried to kind of update that and create new, uh, more solid foundations. And not just that, also in in terms of the crediting so some images sometimes are not properly credited uh yeah. so trying to find the original sources and trying to be as thorough as possible so that that's the thing i've been doing uh because yeah because i didn't introduce myself but um i'm well i mean i go by the digital cowboy online and uh i uh, i've been running uh, my clothing archive for many years and uh yeah so that's and i've been collecting for many years just in general and um but that's another topic. But uh, yeah, the, the thought I wanted to say just a few seconds ago was the my issue though with uh, pages like Archive PDF, and it's not about Archive PDF, it's kind of similar to other pages. It's not that, it's not about the quality of their uh, what they're sharing. I think it's the lack of the proper documentation of what they find. Uh, because the thing is, uh, if you look at Archive PDF, you can find great articles, you can read interesting things, but then what do you do if you want to consult a kind of uh, a list of the designers that have been talked about or a list of the collections that have been talked about? At the moment, there's no um, particular way to access the documentation properly. And this is why I created, uh, well, I made my website so that you can consult the collections uh, after uh, I've talked about them, just because that way, all the information, all the images, all everything I've found on those collections is well-documented and is accessible, uh, just uh, readily accessible. And that's that's what I'm saying. The the issue I have with ArchiveF, it's in the Buddhist scene in general, is that it's kind of, it's posted on social media, but then it it's kind of, um, uh, I don't remember the, the word for that, but, you know, it just like flies away, like really easily, I find. No, and I, I really appreciate, I think, the way that you line up, like, you're super diligent with your, your write-ups. And, I mean, the scans and images you are able to find are insane. So I think, I, I really like the way that you're, you know, going about it, doing it from collection to collection. Um, and, yeah, like, kind of like we, I think we talked about the other day, like, um, you know, kind of going back to like why I started Damp Magazines was like, um, you know, I feel like there's a lot of mood board pages, archive pages, whatever you call it out there. Um, and, you know, to be honest, at the beginning, I didn't want to start a page because there were already so many pages out there and they all kind of annoyed me. Like, I'm not going to throw out like any names or whatever, but like they just provided little to no context about what they're what they're posting about just like a slideshow of images and i would always like see myself looking at these images like okay what what's the story behind this like what magazine did it come from what you know what collection is this like why why are people you know just doing this for like the aesthetic purpose um and so the reason i ended up deciding to do my own page was because 
you know, I was building up an archive, like, on my hard drive that I was just like, you know, it'd be stupid for me not to share this stuff with people. Um, and I'm by no means like a great writer, but I think the context and like giving information is super important to just like what you're posting. Um, right. Um, it, oh. Wait. Um, sorry, uh, I got distracted for a second, but, uh, so what I was going to say is that, um, sorry, cause I feel like, okay, so whatever, I'll be fine. <laughs> okay. So what I was going to say is that, uh, it makes me think about two, uh, things. Uh, the first thing is that I started up my clothing archive because I was also annoyed and frustrated. I think I mentioned it to you at some point. And I think uh, I, I talk about it pretty often, actually. But um, I just started because I was seeing all those uh, archive fashion pages just talk about, well, fashion, but then making mistakes and then uh, just getting things wrong. And of course, like I said, at first I was doing things wrong, but I was seeing this, I was like, ah, you know, I was just getting frustrated. I was like, well, I can do something better than that. Or I was not, honestly, though, it's not about like, because I wanted to be better than them. I think that's totally wrong way to put it. In fact, um, I think it's more the fact that I was like, oh, it's, it's frustrating to see this false information being shared. I was like, oh, there should be someone out there that shares the real information and that shares the, the truthful information. Well, and and then someone... I was, oh, I have access to those things. So I'm going to share it. Yeah. And as someone like I am still learning, like I love doing this because I get to learn about new things all the time. And so for me, it was kind of like putting other people in my shoes. Like if people are, if people who follow my page are curious about oh, where can I find more information about 90s Undercover or where can I find more information about this or that? Like, you know, I make sure to provide the source that it came from so that people can kind of go out and on their own try and find um, those sources. Yeah. Right. No, exactly. Um, and yeah, so that was the first idea. The second idea I, it made me think about is that... Um, Sorry, my brain is um wait i don't remember okay what well, so the first idea was i just said it it was in my clothing archive started because i was annoyed the oh yeah the second thing is that um you mentioned that oh you're not the best writer and all that but uh that's that's why I, for a while now i've been saying that my issue is that we've been kind of putting together people with research with people who uh present the information but i think it, it's two very different things. I think the fact we expect people who present information to be good at research is unrealistic. Uh, and if we expect also people who do good research to be good presenters, it's unrealistic just because uh, it's two very different sets of skills. And in that sense, I feel like it's all a pressure, let's say, on people. I, I would say that if for the future, one of the things I hope uh, would happen is for uh, people who are good at research and good presenters to kind of come together and create the uh, yeah well and create the content together uh, but the thing is I think people are a bit not greedy greedy might be just a bit rude to say that but I think the problem is that presenters are um, put 
uh, more on the spotlight and they're the ones then who get a lot of the contracts and a lot of the things going on while like people who do research oftentimes people don't know about them and they don't get the credits for what they do because also often it's like people are like well they did the research whatever it's not they didn't produce those images or they didn't produce those things right so then i feel like the the research aspect of the archive fashion scene is not necessarily put forward uh as much yeah so yeah i definitely feel that for sure um no i say that because uh we've all experienced it let's say like uh you know coming up with some scans or coming up with some uh things you found and then people just like taking it and kind of taking it for granted even though we may have spent like hours finding those things and maybe you spent years even finding those things uh and yeah <laughs> and then people are just like oh reposting but then not even tagging you or not even uh, you know so sometimes it can be pretty harsh so do we want to kind of jump into the topic of what is archiving in general oh yeah true we should talk about that <laughs> um okay Wait, before we start, uh, let's take a little break. Uh, I want to take a little break, but uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back. Uh, and so we, what we were going to talk about, we were going to discuss what is archive fashion, right? So before the commercial break. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, do you want to start? Um, yeah, so I think... Well, do you want to do what is archive fashion or just what is like archiving... In general uh but yeah we kind of asked earlier what is archive fashion sorry about that um but i guess we kind of didn't answer the question <laughs> but, oh, whatever. okay let's, let's discuss what archiving is and then we can talk about archive fashion maybe <laughs> so yeah i mean i one of the things that really gets me intrigued in the archive scene is the idea that we're really moving into a digital world um where Things like magazines and newspapers can be accessed at, you know, our fingertips on our computers or tablets or phones or whatever. Um, but there's all this physical media um, that's still out there that has tons and tons of information um, that is valuable. Um, and, you know, that's the reason I started my, or the reason I named my page Damp Magazines is kind of like, you know, when a magazine gets wet, you kind of throw it away like it's it's basically done um and so oh, that's the origin i never knew i never knew that's why yeah yeah so yeah and like so who knows how many issues or how many um copies of the book or magazine it is that you you have um and so i think i think it's super important to um scan those publications um and preserve that information um for the future. Um, and one of the examples that I always give, which is, it's kind of a joke, but it's also kind of serious is like, what if nobody had ever archived the Bible? Um, you know, like how, how would that have changed human history? And I'm not comparing myself to like archiving the Bible by any means, but, um, you know, information like that needs to be preserved. Um, and it does have an impact on you know future generations. Um, and so I think for me, especially, um, you know, people are always like, oh, like, aren't you worried about damaging books or damaging the magazines? And yeah, I I am, but I mean, if I have to damage one copy in order to preserve it for forever, then in my mind it's worth it. Um, because give it 
25, 30, 40 years, and who knows how many copies of the book or um, the magazine are going to be available. Um, and so that's kind of my mentality. Um, and the same goes for like VHS uh, tapes, you know, um, all that information is still on that tape. Um, and if it's not properly digitized, then, you know, give it, I mean, we're already at the point now where it's hard to find a VHS player and rewatch VHS tapes. Mm -hmm. um, so no, I, that's a that, that's a good point wait when uh, as you were talking about this i really got to talk about um i have a box of full of uh, vhs of uh yoji runways um I, if, if you if you know me you know about that i've digitized all of them well i didn't but i went to see a professional for that and uh, i think that i've never really mentioned or i don't talk well because also why would i talk about this but um a lot, a lot of them had uh the, the how do you call that the the thing was like full of mold i mean not like you know the, not the tapes themselves but inside was uh, very badly damaged so the fact is that a lot of those vhs uh um, I would say like even I would say 25% or more uh, we had to well we have to kind of throw them out because there's no more information on the tape because it's been attacked by the mold and stuff and uh, but I've uh, you know I went to a professional he tried cleaning everything as best as possible but yeah it just destroyed those tapes so uh, there are a bunch of shows that I simply do not have the video not because of uh well i do have technically the tape but i don't have the video because yeah the physically it was attacked so it wasn't digitized on time if the because the the previous owner was former i think uh uh with the marketing director or something like that no not created a commercial director of yoji and he had kept those uh those vhs i think in his um his basement for many many years since like the 90s basically and he it was probably in a humid place wet place so, you know a damp place and uh, because of that yeah it, it developed molds and then uh, the tapes are just not uh, you can't look at them or you can't even digitize them anymore and so that's why i think it's interesting the the whole damp thing and the whole thing about vhs because yeah if you wait too long it's just not gonna be you're not gonna be able to keep those uh recordings and now the ones i was able to uh to digitize uh they're on youtube and there's multiple copies you know on like uh external art drives or whatever so because of that yeah now for the future they're they're preserved um which is good without, without your work or without your you know effort into into digitizing those who knows they might have just yeah disappeared. yeah because i think i'm the only one in the world aside from the hq of course ug i don't know hqs but i think i'm one of the only people in the world with those like tapes so uh yeah it had to be me to digitize them it, it was expensive also people don't realize that but also paying for like the cleaning paying for digitize it was so expensive but i think it was worth it uh but it was it was a lot of work though and the thing is like even just getting my hand on the box of vhs was already so hard it was already such a mess uh yeah and that's thing uh we, that's one thing we wanted to talk about me and Khan is that the whole process of archiving is really demanding people don't realize that people just see cool images being shared but there are so many steps and there are so many elements to consider just like finding something is already uh, a big 
issue. Let's say like finding a physical magazine is already like finding it for sale, for example, a specific one is so hard sometimes because uh, sometimes they're just nowhere to be found. And I would say even before finding it, just knowing about the existence of a magazine is already a lot of work. Yeah. And that's the thing I think people think about. Uh, but the we live in double ignorance in that sense uh, because we don't know oftentimes that certain magazines exist or certain books. So you can't even look for them because you don't know they exist. So I would say the very first step is learning about the existence of something. Um, so not being in double ignorance. And then it's finding the thing uh, for sale. So just finding somewhere they, they exist in real life. Then it's buying it. So getting your hand on it. Then it's also the uh, importing, you know, exporting, importing. And then you get your hand on it. And then it's, um, yeah, scanning it or digitizing it. And then it's all the cropping, all the, you know, um, how can I say, okay. like restoring the, the doctrine to its uh to his original aspect i would say or to its uh, physical aspect and then there's the posting and then there's the sharing and it doesn't mean also that the thing is going to be widely shared so sometimes you have to work to translate or, or to properly contextualize the thing and it's uh, yeah it's so many steps people and people don't realize that um so i think it's important to bring this up um do you want to add anything to this definitely um yeah i think like what do I want to add? I mean, I think it's taken a lot of like trial and error, I guess would be the right term of just like, honestly, like I just took, took risks sometimes with, with certain publications. Like I have two full years of, of rocking on magazine. I had yeah. no idea really. Like I knew it was a music publication. I saw the covers. There were some interesting people on the covers. So I had a general sense of like what was going to be in them, but I kind of blindly was just like, all right, like, let's, let's give this a shot. Um, and it turned out to be really, really awesome. Um, but yeah, there were a few, there are definitely a few times when like I ended up buying something and I get it in hand and it's got like one, maybe two pages of like valuable sort of information or advertisements. Um, and so, yeah, that, that happens with some frequency, obviously, you know, your, the way you source is slightly different in the sense of you're trying to track down like individual, um, individual issues of magazines. Um, mm -hmm. but, and yeah, that's something we were talking about as well. Um, it's just like specifically with Japanese magazines. I mean, there are so many different publications. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, it's really difficult to, actually track down where a specific image or something was from um yeah. but once you once you are able to like inform yourself and figure out um the publication it in my experience it opens doors to other publications um that are also of value if you're mm -hmm. Um, no, it's true. Uh, chance has a lot of, uh, has a lot to do with it. Uh, there are so, so, so many of the things I have, or even uh, famous images I've shared or uh, great posts I've made in the past that uh, it was totally by chance that I found those things. Of course, sometimes I it's not totally by chance in the sense that I kind of know what I'm buying into. But at the same time, um, oftentimes, yeah, I didn't know. Uh, for example, uh, I've, I could give so many examples, but uh, one of the things I found that I was the most proud of is some backstage pictures of um, 
the autumn winter 1991 
those people documented the, well at the time so the way they documented their present is how i see the past and i think it's also very important to consider that when you document uh in the future is you get the perspective of the people who were there at the time and that's why also i try to cross reference as much as possible i try to get as many like um accounts as possible so that way i can cross reference because sometimes i don't always trust uh people uh people when they document because sometimes they make mistakes or something so i do try to cross-reference as much as possible so um, do you want to yeah. tell everyone a little bit about like your um guide i guess for for family garçon yeah i can like uh, talk a bit uh, maybe we can do uh, another episode on the subject because i think it's a broad subject and we can talk a lot about the identification of clothing but uh again this is connected to what i was talking about earlier about creating solid foundations that's why i created my uh my uh, my garçon identification chart and this is why i created the software because uh i really i yeah i really just wanted people to be able to do it and i know it's not the easiest chart like if you you don't know let's say if you're not really used to come to Gaston, you're not gonna know what the fuck is on the chart but uh the thing is at least the information is there if you have the energy and if you have the the will let's say to crack the code at least it's there you know you don't have to go through hundreds and thousands of listings let's say to figure out those uh, this kind of logic it took so much work also people don't realize that but again when it comes to archiving uh, i guess this is another aspect of archiving that doesn't have to do with the yeah archiving let's say digitizing but has to do with more uh the classification maybe uh maybe yeah maybe we can like we can frame it as such the classification aspect of archiving uh, but yeah so it, it requires a lot of like prior knowledge because i it didn't you know it didn't come out of nowhere i i looked at a bunch of pieces and i did the same with isimiyaki actually isimiyaki might be a better example but i looked at specific pieces i have the product code and then I can cross-reference by knowing, for example, okay, well, I know because I'm a collector, I know this is, for example, autumn, winter, 1989. Okay, well, how do I know how how let's say the protocol is connected to that like how do we make this connection and this is uh, why it becomes hard and why it's yeah it's a lot of work because you have to figure out the logic and if figuring out the logic is not easy uh it took a lot of work it takes a lot of cross-referencing it's a lot of back engineering and uh yeah the classification aspect of this this part of archiving is a lot of work and this part of archiving i find is like the one that people talk the least about um yeah, because like in general, I would say like people are very hard on uh, gatekeeping when it comes to that. They don't really want people, I guess, to be able to know, uh, which I find weird because I feel like this is how people care. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, and that's why like I think what I've been doing is kind of so different from other people because I spent so much time building the software. Like absolutely no one else would do that. Like I, not even like grailed in the real real. So many like institution could benefit from building something like this no one has done it so it's just me this random dude from montreal who built that uh, but i also actually this makes me think it's so interesting in the in you know documenting all that how uh, a single individual can have such a big impact or can find something so powerful and so important. Uh, and that's the thing I think that uh, drew me the most to this scene is 
seeing how invaluable you can be as an individual because uh like i said i'm just some random dude from montreal but i feel like so much of what i've done has been uh used or has been uh, uh kind of uh, referenced uh in the present uh, in present time you know and not just in terms of the impact over time but like sometimes i post something and then i bam i see so many people like repost it or reference it and then i see this impact on the state of modern fashion uh, you know for example the collab with supreme and yoji uh, i could see how my influence had an impact on that and i'm not you know, I'm not talking out of my ass. It's just uh, I know for a fact that they reference some of the things I, I shared before. Or same thing with the Palace and Y3 thing. Um, so for, for many reasons, uh, I do know the impact. And I, I'm like, okay, I'm not that big of a page. I'm like, bigger pages will have such a big impact on the state of modern fashion. But then at the same time, those big pages often rely on what a single individual found in a magazine a random magazine or something so yeah so the impact someone can have is pretty big i would say and this is what i find interesting yeah. um sorry i can, <laughs> I can no no about i totally agree i mean yeah i think a lot of those bigger pages end up just taking stuff from smaller archivists or researchers researchers um and i think you know you were kind of talking about uh this identification chart and you know I think a lot of misinformation gets spread around because there's this I guess um hope that you're you can trust the person that you're buying the item from um and that they know what they're talking about um but it's not the case, <laughs> but it's not the case. yeah it's not it's, the case um I've seen so many mistakes, like talking about this. I'm just going to do a little side, but I've seen so many, I, I, like I said, I've made mistakes too. I make mistakes even today. I try to do as least as possible, but I do make mistakes a lot still. Uh, but uh, sometimes some stuff, I'm like, how did he get a mistake? I'm like, this one was like very obvious. Uh, you know, like I make mistakes usually on something that's like very, very kind of difficult to find. It's usually just one or two person who can correct me on it. And I'm very grateful for those people to be able to correct me. I really wish there was more people that could correct me, honestly. Like, that's the thing. I get so much pressure out of like getting my info right because I'm like who else is gonna correct me like I'm kind of the only person who can correct me so I'm very grateful for when people can correct me because I'm like thank you finally someone can tell me like you know can guide me a little bit but anyway that's that's another topic but uh but yeah no uh, but uh that's uh yeah, so the, the whole correcting thing, and that's the thing, when I was doing research on Isemiake, for example, the identification of Isemiake, I found so many mistakes. I was like, people get so many things wrong, and that that's the thing. I had to kind of correct, like, years of misinformation on Isemiake. And the same thing with Comme des Garçons. A lot of people make a lot of, uh, a lot of mistakes on the identification of Comme des Garçons. So, uh, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of misidentification, misidentification in that sense, I think, so. Well, so going back to, you know, like what, what is archiving? Um, how does it, what is its importance, I guess you could say. Um, I think another thing for me that um, I think is super important and also sets my page, like, aside from a lot of the other quote unquote archive pages um, is, I think it's really important to scan things cover to cover um and i think a lot of people you know 
they find that that one or two gems that are in the issue and and that's that's totally fine like that's those are probably the most important things in the issue but i know i think of the photographer on the random editorial in the back of the magazine who you know who knows if he has access to those images or those those uh, that mm -hmm. film anymore um and so i take it upon myself to scan things cover to cover um which allows people to you know view them view the whole thing digitally um mm -hmm. which some people would say that that like, gets rid of the whole purpose of owning the magazine um which i understand and you can have that thought if you want to but um i also think that it informs people on um like the type of publication that it is and also like if you are interested in purchasing it yourself like a lot of the times with with books um you know which is what i really enjoy about archive pdf like if you really want to learn more about um isemiyaki or undercover or you know raf simmons um a lot of those books that you'd have to buy are like pretty freaking expensive and like mm -hmm. if you're just like and might only have they'll be expensive and they might only have like two sentences that are are valuable to you um and so i think by scanning something in full it allows people to still interact with the book um and sort of see whether or not it would be of value to them to purchase or if it's if it's not yeah um well because i do think that the experience with uh, physical material is not the same and in that sense that's why i kind of have access to, like digitally to something but i'm still gonna buy the physical book um for you know just because it's a different experience and uh, i could talk about that subject for so long uh but the working with physical uh, books or just physical uh, documents uh, made me change my mind on a lot of topics. Um, for Let me just give you a quick example. Um, I never liked Karl Lagerfeld. I just I was like, well, why, why do people care about him? And uh, But the thing is, I started buying women's wear magazines and I was going through my magazines. And um, the thing is, I was seeing his work and I was like, no, actually, I get it now. It's actually so good. And that that's why and then it changed my mind about Karl Lagerfeld. And because of this, it gives me like also a much more contextualized understanding of those. Uh, in a sense, I understand Karl Lagerfeld's work a lot more in context now. And for if I had done research, let's say if I do research on I don't know, Yoji Yamamoto, like the women's wear collection for spring, summer 2002. Thing is, if I looked online, I would have found just like only images of that show, of the Yoji Yamamoto spring, summer 2002 show. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have gotten the context of it. Like in what context did the show come about with like other uh, other houses, other designers? And then that's thing, understanding this context gives a much more, uh, a lot deeper understanding of the, the collections and of this stuff. So usually people, what they see, they see what I share, which is very precise. But um, I always know 10 times more um, on a subject uh, because I know the context. I know a lot of like the things before, after, and, and uh, it, the list goes on. But um, 
Yeah, but with physical documents, that's the thing. You can see the context. And it's very interesting in that sense. Uh, but also, I just want to say, I don't scan cover to cover, but it's because I'm like physically um i'm i'm physically like limited uh not in the sense that i have a disability or anything but my scanner has an issue where um if i scan at too high resolution or something it's kind of like jams and stuff i, I gotta be really careful i need to buy a new scanner honestly can, but um but yeah are, i would scan cover to cover though if i could your scans are like next level quality um yeah for a scan at at your level of quality it would i would not scan cover to cover either you know yeah it would take a long time um i would say uh but but the thing is like oftentimes what i'm looking for is like very kind of small images and i need like higher resolution in that sense oh, so um yeah but honestly though i i should really scan cover to cover because so much of what i have could be so valuable for many people but then uh you know, I, I'm not, I'm not being egoistic though. I'm being, I'm just limited, let's say. Um, it's like, I'm really trying my best to do like the best work I can, but uh, it's hard. Uh, I feel like it's a lot of pressure also to put on me. Like, I feel like I'm just a random dude, you know, I'm just a small guy. Like I shouldn't have to like do that. Like why is it like big institutions? <laughs> what? Sorry? You're gatekeeping. <laughs> yeah. No, but, like, I really try my best, but the thing is like, why isn't it like a, you know, a platform like Grailed or a platform like, you know, museum or like, why isn't like people like that that like actually have the money and time and like who have the you know resources to do these things that like you know why they don't do it why does it have to be like random people like us and oftentimes even people who are big resellers or big collectors or big pages don't produce any of their the work themselves so you know like seeing Iden and why like uh take posts from ArchiveDF or take posts for me i'm like yeah you guys should have like made this yourself i feel like you guys have the resources for that like well and so yeah. i think that brings me to another point that i wanted to bring up which um i've talked with um certain like other larger uh collectors or you know music like i've talked with people at museums and stuff about like why it is that they aren't active in the archiving space or or um <laughs> scanning their resources and i think you know it's really interesting that it, it ends up being like people like you and me that are just kind of sort, sort of random enthusiasts um but there is like a legality aspect to what we do right. which i agree honestly, i think a lot of people do not recognize from like our content and our posts um i've told so many people like yeah like scanning something cover to cover is like technically illegal like that's you know um what well think. wouldn't it be fair use uh, <laughs> i feel like we we should like do more research on that it wouldn't be considered fair use though it's it's a it's a really big gray area like from from yeah. what my my research and going into it has become like it's it's a really big gray area but that's honestly what deters a lot of these museums and um, collectors yeah. and stuff into actually um, properly archiving their collection um, because right. they are worried about legal repercussions and things like that. Whereas you and me, like, I've always said this kind of as a joke, but I'll know that I'm doing something valuable when I get sued by a publisher. Like that's, <laughs> that's kind of like- well, It has happened, right? I think. No, I haven't gotten sued by anyone. But, um, but there's been still legal issues at some point, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need to talk about this, but like, so. 
But um, I like to push the boundaries, and I think it's it's super important to. I mean, copyright laws are extremely dated. I mean, they were created in like I'm pretty sure like the 1950s. Um, I might be wrong, but they're they're very old, um, and things have changed drastically since mm, then. So. Right. Well, wasn't it also all connected to Disney? Like Disney wanted to keep like copyrights over their things and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not an expert in copyrights. Like I just scan stuff. I don't just <laughs> I've never looked into this. Like, sorry about that. Sorry for your listeners. Uh, if anyone <laughs> who's listening knows, let's say more about the topic, I would love to hear about it. Uh, but I haven't done proper research on it. I think so. that would be a, a whole nother episode of on its own. Yeah. The legality of archive. <laughs> yeah. Archive. yeah. Um, and- that's the disappointing thing too is you know i think a lot of the times it it's the publishers that have a problem with what we do it's not the designers or the photographers or the set designers like none of that like they they love seeing what we do and what we post like it's honorable to see like someone appreciating their work from that time you know um but i think it's really the publishers that have issues they're thinking you know oh we're we're making money off of their their rights or their um copyright um in reality we're not making much money so this is this is definitely a project of of passion um and uh i do my best when i post my um cover to cover scans to do write-ups and be extremely detailed in order to sort of fit into this fair use category but given give it the right publisher the right person with enough money like they i think in a court of law they would definitely be able to have their way so right yeah um i feel like yeah it's a murky uh that's a term i think but it's a murky like territory i think um Okay, uh, so let's take a little break, and then when we come back from the break, let's uh, let's finally address the title of the yes. podcast. Uh, so yeah, because the title is, um, I always I'm gonna get it right at some point, but it's archivist realism, uh, which is yeah inspired by uh, our uh, capitalist realism by Mark Fisher. So welcome back. Uh, we're finally going to address the title of the podcast, which is Archivist Realism. And as I've mentioned, um, it takes inspiration from Capitalist Realism by Mark Fisher. Uh, I don't know if, uh, well, Khan, I don't think you've read the the book, right? Um, you probably don't know what it is about. I mean, from the title, it's not obvious. And I think uh, I'm going to explain it maybe a bit for the, for the listener. So... Okay, I'm pretty bad at this, but I think uh, the main idea of Mark Fisher in the book is uh, the idea that we see capitalism as um, as overarching, as kind of the only possible option of uh, of kind of like of the the modern world of uh, the economic system of the modern world. But it goes deeper than the economic system. But the main idea basically is that he explains that we kind of cannot think of anything else so it becomes kind of like this only reality that we see that we can't really escape um and this is why i chose the archivist realism and i added the i changed the tag to um is there anything new because i think with the archive uh the archive fashion scene uh in the archive fashion scene at least 
we see all those images of uh, the archive shows and uh what, what the what the what the fuck does it mean? Anyway, we see those pictures of like shows from the past, basically, and uh, we kind of like take it as the only option. Is kind of we see kind of fashion as or the past of fashion as kind of like the only way to go forward in a way. And um, I know this kind of sounds weird, and a lot of people are going to disagree with me, which is fine. But it makes me think of AI, for example, like the way we use AI at the moment to generate images, to generate things, is we rely a lot on the past on things that uh, are. Uh, in the like data bank of information to create new things and i think in that sense archiving is important uh because if we archive properly it feeds into the data bank because otherwise i think uh, the issue we have is if we have like only a small subset is that the small subset is gonna uh, dictate then how we view the past and how we approach it in the future uh but i still but in context with the title of the podcast i think the uh, why I wanted to bring this up is kind of the idea that, yeah, the past is important and all the future is kind of based on the past. So there's the kind of like reality that like, I don't think there's, uh, especially in late stage capitalism, I find that like we kind of rely a lot on the past to create new things because we don't really create that new things. We create things that are referencing the past because it's easier for people to kind of uh, think about or to uh, digest i would say um so it's easier for people to digest so i think this is why we see a lot of things that are um inspired from the past like let's look at the astro boy boots you know astro boy like they're you know, and people were freaking out about this those were like one of the biggest things i'd say like in the whole like whatever scene and yeah but then it's not necessarily new it is new also i would say but still it's based on astro boy it's something that people know about um so yeah so it's i just yeah. Oh, uh, so just before uh, I'll let you uh, say, but uh, the last idea I just wanted to say is that's why I thought about the name at first, because I was just like seeing the archive scene as kind of like taking all the space in the fashion scene and like how basically people, the only way they can process new collections and how they can talk about new collections is by making connections to the old collections. Sorry, collections, connections. But yeah, so making connections with old collections. So I feel like people, they the only like, oh, this is a copy of this, this is a copy of that. So there's kind of this sense of uh, always this kind of copy or referencing of the past. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think like, I would definitely agree like is there is there nothing new like I kind of agree with that with that perspective as well um everything seems to be like in some way shape or form referenced from something in the past um and I think a lot of the times people don't even recognize that they're referencing something um but it's like a subconscious thing um and so you know you might see especially with like the archive fashion stuff, like you might see an image of something in passing. Um, and in the moment, you might not think much of it. Um, and then at some other point, you know, that that image uh, sort of comes up again in your memory. Um, but you have no necessarily like idea where it's from. You just remember, okay, this happened at a certain point. I'm going to use the, like, I could use this as reference, um, but do it to create something new. Um, but I really, yeah, I really think that there isn't a lot of new ideas. Um, 
and new things that being created in this current time. I mean, even the concept of AI and things like that have been around now for a long time. And, you know, like you're saying with the Astro Boy boots, like that concept has been around, but it's the first time that it has been like materialized, I guess, um, is, is the way to put it. Um, and so it's still it's still referencing something from the past though which right. i guess that's the point that i'm trying to make but i feel like it's also close to cosplay in a way i feel like it's kind of a you know way for people to cosplay in a way that can be included with like real clothes if i should say yeah yeah no and i think i mean i think fashion is kind of head like going in that direction almost um like this kind of futuristic character that people you know can um make up for themselves uh it almost feels like a little bit of uh like one of those video game like customize your character kind of yeah. kind of thing um but um yeah no yeah um but uh, yeah so in the, going back to the title that's the thing with like archivist realism it's the yeah the thing is like we just see it so much everywhere but um it makes me think also i think look i'm really not a fan of mood boards i hate mood boards so much and i think like it's also a consequence of like the mood board culture of like things being like focused on like images but it's another thing i've been saying for years uh is that I think part of the issue is how data is compartmentalized on uh, computers. So, uh, for example, on a computer, well, you have a, a data file of like an image, for example, and it's separate from text. You know, uh, we we see images as a separate entity than a text. It's a different file format. It's a different uh, yeah. So I think the my issue with the mood boards is connected to kind of how we separate information from uh, we just separate different types of data. Like an image is being kind of presented on the mood board but there's no text necessarily on the mood board or even there's no videos sometimes and like you know mood boards generally is just a series of images and that's pretty much it of course i'm generalizing like you know, no one oh actually blah blah but um yeah I, I just like my issue with mood board is kind of this like like very shallow aspect it's like always on like images and it lacks kind of like the greater context because sometimes people are going to put something on a on a mood board but then they're not going to know the origin of it and then they're going to kind of copy it and then it's just going to copy let's say like a small designer or someone um you well know? i think it's important for in mood boarding to i mean I, I do mood boarding to a certain extent but i think it's really important to include things that don't visually connect with what the the prompt is but contextually connect or right. um continue to push the the boundary of like what what is possible um in that in that realm um, right. but um yeah no it's true uh like that's the thing that's why like oftentimes when i talk about collections or when i do my research i always try to find like everything connected to it and that's why when you're you do archiving it's important to have very broad knowledge like i need to know about music i need to know about photography i need to know about video i need to know about like 
a lot of things to be able to do my research. And uh, oftentimes also I need to know about the connections between people at the time. So let's say like, oh, knowing that this model was friend with this guy or things like that. So I need to know like a lot of things for that. Um, but, and then this is why also uh, then it's a bit unrelated, but uh, I think this is why it's so important to archive properly now is because since it's so important, I think to produce new knowledge or to produce new items or to produce things that are new, I think that's why it's so important to properly document the past. Because I think if we're stuck dealing with a very small subset and with not only a small subset, but in kind of like algorithmically chosen subset, uh, I think the issue is that we're gonna just like get kind of like a loop in the sense that things that are going to be referenced is just very small and it's going to look the same all the time. And this is why I spend so much time investigating collections that people don't really care about because I'm like, no, I think they're great and they should be talked about. But then people just don't look into it. And uh, so this is why I try to kind of like broaden, let's say, the the set of knowledge or you know the the set of like data about the past collections because yeah if we build from the past the issue is that if we only have a small vision of the past then you can't really build from that and i think that's kind of the irony with the internet is that we think we have access to so much stuff but we have access to so little and that's the thing when you do archiving i think that's what you realize is that like um you are you realize that the archive like the real things are like you know that could be accessible are just not and they're gigantic there's so many pictures that are not accessible and then yeah. yeah so then what you see the kind of like and this is why like the whole thing with archivist realism also is that like i think is like realizing that yeah we kind of like it, i would say there's a kind of an irony into this that like in some sense is that we only rely the realist the reality we kind of live in is based on what has been archived so far in the sense that like our vision of the past and our vision of the present also is based only on what has been archived it's not about necessarily the truth or the reality it's based on what has been shown to us and yeah. this is kind of the irony i was like i wanted to get into that's kind of like we see our reality through this lens i think um, it's um there were there have been a few points in history um when things were televised. I, I don't remember the exact story, but I, I know that there was a Thanksgiving Day parade that was televised um, and there was some accident with one of the floats. Uh, the, one of the floats uh, like went down um, and essentially on the TV broadcast, they cut it and went to commercials as if the float never went down and it didn't exist. And so everyone that watched it on TV always knows that nothing went wrong. But if you were there in person and you experienced it, you knew that Snoopy went down and there was a big problem. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think, a, yeah, that's a good point. Just to bring up um, your previous point as well, like knowledge is super important. Um, but I think one of the main things that's like, key for an archivist and a, a good archivist is just wanting to expand your knowledge. I mean, Etienne and I haven't gained this knowledge overnight. Like it's been years of learning and like just doing research on all different types of subjects that have, it's come together and allowed us to, you know, understand material better um, mm -hmm. from first read. 
Um, and I, you know, I'm not done learning. You know, I think I love learning through through the archiving that I'm doing um, and learning more about um, different subjects that I don't know about. So, yeah. no, it's uh, no, that's a good point because, yeah, it's not innate. Like I, I wasn't born with like this knowledge. And yeah, I, I would say that's the one thing that connects all the collectors I know and all the yeah people i know that are uh interested in those things is that it's uh people are very curious and who are open to uh put their own knowledge into question um and that's maybe the big difference i've seen between uh people who are more into it for kind of uh, for clout or to be you know for popularity as a popularity contest and people who are generally into it is that people who are more generally into it are like they like being corrected because that's the thing the thing is like you cannot know everything and it's normal to be wrong about uh things and uh yeah the only thing i'm you know i'm i gotta be honest though is like i've been i have been kind of an asshole the way i was correcting people sometimes but uh to be fair if i was getting corrected in s such ways i'd be like i'd be laughing and be like oh yeah this is true i'm kind of like you know i don't know about that but um the, i think the issue is sometimes like people like kind of treat things as too like absolutes uh that that's why like for me it's kind of hard to approach certain topics because i rarely approach things as absolutes it's always something i can learn more i can feed more into it and i think with social media my issue is that when you post something it's kind of like an absolute in time uh you're like okay well this is uh what i know at the time and the thing is like when people consult it in the future they're gonna say oh this was posted say, i don't know in 2021 and this person said this but the thing is like no since then i've learned so much more but the thing you can't update a previous post and that's what i mean by that the absoluteness is that you can't really update old posts you know you can't add new pictures you can't like you can't change the caption though but still it, there's kind of the sense in time that there's a time stamp and it's kind of like frozen in time so, people that engaged with the content at that point in time know that as the information regarding yeah. the post whereas if you repost it now mm -hmm. there might be some people that that don't engage with the new information and right. only know it previously. Yeah. So, so in that sense, I think it's important to consider. Uh, but uh, wait, what did I say? Oh yeah. So the importance of like curiosity, and that's the thing. I think I like I make a lot of jokes, but I would say that like I'm still like a very very curious uh, person. Uh, in reality, like anyone who knows me knows that like I'm always open and all that. Um, and I think yeah, it's a very important quality to have. And I think that's the thing I've noticed also is that a lot of people want to get into it are very curious also but they don't necessarily have the proper resources to uh feed their knowledge oftentimes they rely on uh content creators but sometimes it's content creators that are uh not necessarily insightful it's like people that can give them the will or the desire to learn about something but at the same time i feel like certain content creators are just not as knowledgeable as they appear to be or they're not as insightful as they appear to be and they're not like you know i'm not necessarily like shitting on them i just think like sometimes it's like it requires so much work to create content and it requires so much work to do research it's like you can't do everything like it's too much 
Um, so yeah, because sometimes again, if they create something, they're often gonna base on what they have access to themselves. So if you have a YouTuber or like a TikToker who makes a video about let's say scab, well, the thing is like sometimes they're just gonna rely on the information that's readily available. But then the information that's readily available is maybe not the best information, it's maybe not like precise, it's maybe it's not also true. Um, so it's not actually their fault, it's because they rely on other things that are false. So you kind of get the uh, trickle down of like, yeah, misinformation in that sense. I think, but I do think it is also important, you know, as archivists, we do sort of rely on each other in a way to continue moving archiving forward. Um, mm -hmm. You know, not one person can archive every single magazine and every single book out there but it's it's the community as a whole that allows us to right. tell knowledge forward and um keep this information in circulation yeah. um no that's true uh, and that's the thing i was mentioning earlier about like uh owing from the people from the past i consider them even let's say it's people that don't post anymore even if it's people that are dead uh i mean the thing is like they're still important and they still have an impact on how we approach certain things um so i think it's important to they're still part of a community in that sense you know they're you know maybe even if they're they're not here with us anymore you know their spirit is still strong uh, within the community so um but it's true though someone and, and the thing is also yeah like a lot of things i know is because of other people and like it's not like i i've done a lot myself obviously but so much is also based on like other people what they've told me or someone can come across let's say an album cover and then they're like oh look at the album cover it's this piece that you posted about like you know a couple of weeks ago and in that sense i think there's a there's something that's very um synergic uh, I don't know. Uh, there's a synergy in that sense, in that like people working together can push it forward. I think it's a very community thing because someone by themselves wouldn't be able to push it. And this is why I really try to encourage people to participate too, because I can't do everything myself. Like I, you know, I need help. Like help me, help me here. Help, like, please help. help us. Etienne and I are small. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, I can't buy all the magazines. I can't scan all the editorials. I can't like do everything. Thing, you know i think i've done already so much for this scene is like yeah. i'm like okay i you know i, I go into retirement maybe oh sorry you go into retirement yeah i should yeah i think i'm too old now i should just retire <laughs> no but uh i i do think though like it's uh, but uh, like talking about that i think it's still like very important for the connections too not in the sense like i want to build connections but like uh, what's cool is, for example, with my page, with my clothing archive, a lot of people who follow my clothing archive are often, let's say, um, models that used to be in those editorials. So sometimes I'm going to post editorials from the 80s, and then the actual models that were there are going to be like, oh, yeah, that's me. And then I can I actually ask them questions, and then they, they reply and then tell me exactly about where it was, when it was, or the context and stuff. So that's the good aspect of it. You know, the fact that those people are still alive and like can actually kind of uh push the information but those are like the, those are really the full circle moments that you know really keep yeah. probably you and me like posting stuff is when you know people really you know appreciate the stuff we're doing yeah. so um, so that's the whole part, I would say. Uh, I'm pretty happy with that. But uh, yeah, uh, it's still, uh, yeah. So we need, I still need help though sometimes. Like, yeah, if there was other people that could like help me, I'm not saying just helping me like directly. I'm talking about 
if other people were also doing research but I, I actually though there's a lot of people do that like sometimes I'm kind of like oh I need let's say pictures from a certain magazine or some certain runway pictures but then this guy for example uh you're like oh I have this magazine and then he sends me the scans and stuff so I, I've you know I, I do owe a lot to other people and I want to make that clear uh because I like I said I make a lot of jokes but in reality I do feel very um uh, like uh, there's a proper word for that but uh, I do uh, I do feel like I owe people a lot so I'm very um, grateful I'm very grateful for for all the help I've been getting so far um, but I guess yeah I, I guess I'm greedy I'm like I need more help but uh, no but the thing is like it feels but that's the thing it was also when you get into this you realize how it's never ending it's like never ending never ending like every time and this is why every year for example i go over the same magazine and that's why i keep those magazines because even if i was to scan cover to cover thing is every time i go through that magazine every year i learn something new and i find something new and i realize something new and so this is the part i think why it's so important also to you know in time that it takes time to those things because yeah it's like you just learn new things all the time so Sorry, I got very excited. <laughs> your perspective changes and that can, you know, influence you to to look into something different that you might not have looked at before, you know? So Yeah. Um, yeah, because you're a very curious person also. I guess like you've learned a lot also through the, all those research. All this research. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um yeah. Yeah. Sure um so what for what have you been like focusing on though lately um because i think like with damp magazine you focus a lot more culture right um yeah i i'd say so i mean i definitely i love fashion um and that's kind of obviously what got me in just like started into it um i also grew up my dad works in marketing um so i've just been around advertising all my life and I've really that's something I've really paid attention to um, both good and bad advertising like what makes an advertisement good or what makes it bad um, and so yeah I think um, I've also been blessed to be able to live in many major cities in the United States um, I was born in New York I lived in Chicago for a period of time then San Francisco and then Los Angeles. Um, so I've been able to have different perspectives on things. Um, but yeah, I um, I definitely just enjoy uncovering um, details and information that isn't readily available. Um, that's, I think, probably the easiest way to say it. Um, so whether it's fashion related or you know, an advertising campaign that happened um, in the 80s or something like that, I think um, it all like influences and still can influence the future of, you know, fashion, advertising, whatever. Um, so, yeah, no, because uh, fashion is always related to culture. Um, it's yeah. So that's why I think it's important to look into the cultural aspect of it, like music and movies and uh, things because uh, that's what you focus on i think you focus a lot on also like um you know hip-hop culture right yeah 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 so i jam magazines kind of ended up just transcribed transpiring into being like 
stuff that I found interesting. I've always kind of said like, if people aren't interested, then they can unfollow me. But you know, it's it's my personal taste. It's stuff that I find interesting. Um, and a lot of the times it ends up happening with uh, I come across a scan or I come across an advertisement that um, I find particularly interesting, and then I kind of do a deep dive on it um, mm -hmm. and try to find as much information about it as well as like the you know cultural relevance of it how um it was different from other things at the time um and also i try and provide like some um like modern relevance into like maybe like um comparing it to like a, a modern campaign advertising campaign or a modern um thing in pop culture uh, right so yeah yeah um because ads i think uh, there's a lot of good ads from the past that then like people reference sometimes the reference are very obvious like do you remember the stussy ad with the hole in the hat and then yeah. um and then uh, virgil abloh literally just copied that ad like literally copied it um but it was kind of my issue with that is that it's not necessarily that the ad was bad i think it's good to reference that ad uh, or to even copy it to some extent if it's done properly but i think it wasn't done properly i'm not saying this just because like i don't necessarily like virtual Abloh. like i'm i'm gonna be as objective as possible but i think it's like the lack of context or the way that the picture was taken it was kind of i feel like it wasn't the proper thing the thing is like in the real picture there's kind of like the to see the original Susi ad there's kind of like a sort of like smiley face with like the front of the hat and all that so it wasn't really about the hat being destroyed it was kind of like a bit more uh in context also the context was it was in the magazine and all that and it was a very close-up of the hat so there's this kind of like eerie thing about the ad and all that um i think yeah, that's the, the, yeah. quite oh, literal literal like like uh reproduction of mm -hmm. a previous advertisement whereas like i think um i think sprite like their advertising in the 90s was pretty like influential revolutionary because they were doing a lot of um commercials with like up-and-coming like hip-hop artists and stuff like that um which no one had really done um i did a whole post about like the commodification of hip-hop and how um like hip-hop started becoming um a tool used to like reach a certain demographic of younger people um and um sort of play off that the the company was cooler or like you were cool if you bought this product or whatever um and i think you know i think it's like you were saying with the Stussy one, that's like a quite literal um, mm -hmm. reinterpretation of the image. But I think it's really important seeing like, okay, what was what was Sprite doing in the 90s that was making these advertisements so interesting? And mm -hmm. how can we recontextualize this? Not the same way visually, but like it could be for a completely different brand. Like Sprite is a beverage. Like how can we recontextualize this for um healthcare or like you know uh okay. clothing brand or something like that um right. yeah because uh, that's the thing too i think when it comes to archiving um a fashion the thing is like of course you can archive just like runway pictures or ads like fashion ads but i think a lot of like the fashion scene like relies on other uh 
things on other like cultural aspects and other things going on so i think this is why it's important also to uh, archive culture more generally and this is why i like magazines uh, especially menswear magazine because i feel like it's not just about the fashion it's also about like everything that was going on at the time and uh, i think this is an aspect that people kind of tend to forget is that how it's like a lot broader than the fashion aspect and this yeah. is why like i'm kind of i feel like this is why i can i'm able to do it like i i can talk in my case like i you know you can tell me what you think but uh, it's because like since i'm kind of all over the place uh and i think anyone who knows me knows i'm just you know i into like so many things it's just like since i'm all over the place i can make connections that are not necessarily easy to make or i can make connections between um just like things in general so uh because of those like connections that are being made is like it, i can like further let's say the feel of fashion in that sense because uh, yeah. like music and it's not just me like i'm not saying this as if i'm special like what made for example yoji yamamoto or comedy garçon or all those like people so important and so uh influential is that they were making connections with fields that are that were you know not necessarily new but like or not necessarily special but uh you know they were making connections like Comme des Garçons had so many connections with the art world, uh, especially the menswear uh, part, was so connected with the art world starting in the 80s. And then with Yoji, uh, you know, Yoji was really connected with culture, let's say with musicians and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, and that's why I think like some of the major brands from the like especially from like the 2000s and 2010s has been also with like streetwear brands and stuff because streetwear brands were collaborating with a lot of like the culture like supreme you know so much of supreme has to do with like the the culture and stuff so yeah. i do think it's important to understand culture as a whole and that's why like it's important to archive just more generally also than just fashion um yeah so that's uh okay so that's what i had to say uh did you have anything else to add um no no okay um yeah maybe we can wrap this up uh i think we've talked uh long enough <laughs> um perfect well thanks uh thank you for listening thanks for all the listeners like i mentioned i being this is the first episode so of course we're gonna adjust uh because i but i used to have a podcast so i you know um i know a bit but it's been a while so i don't i forgot a lot also i talk a lot i'm gonna probably like listen to myself and get like fuck anyway um that's uh, beside the point but uh, <laughs> but yeah thanks for listening and if you have any suggestion uh please let us know um and yeah let us know also if you liked it if you hate it also you can you know you can tell me um i'm gonna take that into account <laughs> and uh yeah but if if you disagree with anything or if you have any discussion that you would like to uh yeah just feel free uh always uh, easy to reach out to and uh we're gonna try to decide uh, what we do next time so yeah if you if anyone listening has a good idea of next week's episode uh what we should talk about again all open um that's the whole point is we want to talk about things that are of interest to everyone and can maybe like further also the whole the field as a whole and just knowledge in general with uh, the two of us two and heads go on in one. crazy crazy tangents all over the place in yeah in I know. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of tension. That's the thing. If there's a tension that you thought was more interesting, uh, listener, uh, then yeah, uh, please let us know and we can explore this further if uh, that's what you want. So yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks, Khan. Um, thanks yeah, yeah. Uh, for all the input and uh, see you next week. Yeah. See you guys.